Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March 2023. As we mentioned in last week's podcast, the Green Edge is currently engaged in a piece of work for the local skills improvement plans, specifically the LSIP being developed for Cumbria by the Cumbria Chamber of Commerce. Now, it would be most unprofessional of us to discuss the content of what we're doing ahead of its publication, but we can mention that we're doing it because we get a shout, together with our leaders in the work, Thomas Jardine and co. of Carlisle, in Cumbria's latest LSIP progress update. So, having mentioned that we're doing it, let's just leave it at that. But it has got us thinking about how many parties of all shapes and sizes must be involved across England in the various LSIP developments, and our post this week talks a little about that. And in particular, how the opportunities for collaboration and the risks of duplication of effort are, or perhaps are not, being managed. Michael, there must be hundreds of parties involved here. There probably are, because we've got 38 little programmes going on with these LSIPs. And we've got to remember that the LSIP budgets that came through from the DfE are for three years' worth of activity. And part of that money is also involved for capital for colleges. And one thing that strikes us, it would be great if adjacent LSIPs could pool some of their monies to engage in long-term pieces of work, not one-off pieces of work, and ensure the data supply is nigh on real, near real time, coming from people like Data City, like CAS, Nesta and the like, and ONS, and that they build internally capability over the next three years to be able to analyze and interpret this data for local use. And our work is highlighted whilst we're focusing on clean energy, in particular offshore wind, the needs of offshore wind are quite different by geography. There are eight major clusters around the UK to deal with offshore wind, and they're all quite distinctly different. Be you in Wales, South Wales, over on the east coast, up in Aberdeen, and down through the Tyneside and Tees, and on on further south to Hull. And they're all quite different. And I think those nuances can be added, but they could operate off a common platform in terms of research. Now, as I said earlier, we can't discuss the specifics of the work we're doing, but anyone can read in the progress update that it's a deep dive on the future skills required for offshore wind. In fact, it started off a little wider than that, in that the call for submissions asked for research into the future skills required for the non-nuclear elements of the clean energy sector. But it is offshore wind that we're looking at here, Michael. That's right, it is. Uh, And I'm glad it is focused on that. It means you can do something more meaningful around trying to spread across a series of technologies, some of which might not be that relevant to the area. Now, in the post, we take a quick look at some of the other deep dives that are going on in the LSIP sphere, such as British Aviation Group's deep dive into aviation. Michael, if there are a few of these going on, there must be an opportunity here, I would have thought, for building some kind of index of local businesses that could be well-placed to service each sector? There is. I think it. Uh, if you took all the major sectors, and depending how you define them, if you just take the new economy, there are probably 48 subsectors. So you could have a deep dive in all 48 of them. And it would be very useful to actually have a repository where you could actually draw down material to at least inform you before you went into your own little deep dive as to what is going on. And in particular, how these deep dives interact with each other. 
just having excellence in one of these areas it does rely on having capabilities in other areas as well if you're going to succeed on a national let alone an international scale and if you think of the ambitions of a number of these lsips and they're thinking their plans it isn't only about local supply it is also trying to build a base that can actually go into export and therefore into into international markets and a reminder that you can find this week's post a sip at the lsip fountain on greenedge.substack.com and you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, one thing I can say about our work in Cumbria is that it's involving a fair bit of data gathering. And one source of data that we found very useful, and Michael mentioned it back there, is the data city up there in Leeds. Regular listeners to this podcast may have spotted that we dropped a special podcast earlier this week featuring a conversation with the Data City, along with WPI Economics and Lightcast. And the three companies have just launched a partnership to support local authorities and others in their net zero efforts. We covered a range of topics on the conversation, and you can hear some of those on the podcast itself. Now, at one point, we talked about the importance of place-based skills, and since these are what the LSIPs are all about, let's take a listen to that part of the chat, starting with Michael and followed by Joa Hearn, WPI's Head of Policy Consulting. Do you start walking into what I would call place-based green skills, the skills that have to occur in a certain geography to create coalitions and alliances to make things happen? Now, thinking the role of local government, city mayors and the like, We've got quite a unique position in terms of delivering that zero. And those skills aren't green as of rights, but they are basically major enablers and leaders to create green alliances and then green policies at the local level. I think that's absolutely critical. And one part of that green skill set locally that I think is rising in prominence is green finance skills. We're seeing sort of burgeoning campaign around local climate bonds, which is really, really important. So the local government can raise funding to deliver green priorities locally. And that's not necessarily the skill set of a traditional local government finance expert. So that broader skill set there is really, really important. One of the reasons I think we brought this partnership and we're targeting local and regional governments is we're really big on the capacity and the importance of regional, subnational, local governments in delivering and driving net zero and getting it done in the right way. It's about the local knowledge, about the ability to coordinate stakeholders across the right geography. Net zero looks very different depending on where you are in the country. The challenges and opportunities are very different depending on where you are. Urban centres have got huge opportunities around green finance, for instance, and green professional services. We've seen that in some of our work. If you look up in Leeds, there's the potential for a bigger green finance cluster there. They've got institutions such as the UK Infrastructure Bank setting up there, the, the Bank of England's offices around green finance are also going to be based up there. So the opportunities are very local, as are some of the risks where you look at clusters of high carbon industries. Those are also can be placed based on localised building stock looks very different in different parts of the country. Some areas have got, particularly urban areas, have got a big commercial building stock retrofit challenge as well as the domestic building stock. So that's hugely important as well. So the local dimension to this is, is critical. And look at some of the tools that are available, such as local area energy planning, which has been developed by the Energy Systems Catapult. That's a tool to help these local areas bring those different aspects together through a whole systems approach. And the economic gains to doing that in terms of delivering it in a more efficient way are huge. So those aspects to it are essential. And finally, Michael, not good news for the UK, I'm afraid, on the electric vehicle front. 
Potentially so, but let's put this a little bit in context. The UK is a leader in a number of very important net zero renewable technologies, you know, tidal, offshore wind, nuclear energy and carbon capture. And we've been investing very heavily in battery development and battery understanding in terms of performance, longer range, faster charging and the like under the Faraday program. And that's a £500 million plus investment program in that R&D. But the piece you're alluding to is the decision by BID, who are the third biggest producers of car batteries, uh, not to locate their facility in the UK. Admittedly, BID is also a car manufacturer, and it looks like it will be locating its operations somewhere in Europe, and they've got quite a long list of 10 countries, and we didn't even make their long list of countries. Now, car battery manufacturing is very important to car manufacturing itself and the car industry, uh, partly because of the weight of a battery and also because of its value. It's about 40% of the value of a car. But it's also worrying when you look at the geolocation of battery manufacturing for cars, it's basically Asia. 92% of car batteries are made in Asia and eight in the rest of the world. And it is absolutely dominated by China, who control 56% currently of the supply of that, followed by Korea and Japan. Korea, 26%, and Japan at about 10%. So this whole skew, I think, will change when we see the a, nature of the components going into batteries changing, and also people looking at some of the geopolitics of this and touring that they want to be part of this critical technology for the future. The other aspect of this we need to consider, once a battery is installed in a car, it has a life and then it'll be recycled and re-repurposed. So we'll have this big recycling of batteries going on and there's an expertise to be built up there. We haven't reached that point yet, but this is soon becoming because cars with electric power have been around for quite a while now. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.